0: Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So I
1: can't tell if I'm excited, like overly excited or just excited because Penny gets to participate in this, but we're going to Frozen on Broadway on Friday. and. I'm kind of excited. (laughs) So we've been playing the Frozen soundtrack all week, like leading up to it. So I told Penny, I was like, you should like memorize the words when we get there. So she's been, of course, just like Elsa's singing all through the house at the top of her lungs. And she's so funny because she'll do like, (laughs) whenever there's like parts sung by non Elsa or Anna and it'll be like Olaf or whatever the prince's name is or whatever she like deepens her voice to be like a boy <laughs> and she's like now it's the boy singing and then like <laughs> she'll have like a line in like a really deep voice <laughs> and it's hilarious
0: <laughs> I'm sure it sounds highly entertaining and I'm <laughs> sure it's gonna be fantastic I love stuff like that I really genuinely I mean I understand because I know how hard at least from an outside it looks to be a parent and sometimes kids are shits and <laughs> so like I get the dread from like the not knowing how your kids going to act. Yeah, situation, but like just as a spectator being at events that are designed for children. And they're just I, so excited. Not only is the entertainment generally pretty good, because I think they've come a long way to make sure that the storylines are still appealing to all ages. Yeah. But also, kids being excited is the freaking best. Yeah. Well, have you seen Frozen 1 or 2?
1: The movies, but not yeah, the... But you've seen both of them? Yes. Yeah. Their quality. Oh, like- 100%. i think the second one was my favorite just like the sisterhood themes and how
0: it's not a typical like princess movie and i really enjoy it well perhaps tonight's the night i need a refresh because jared informed me that i was on dog duty because he's having a guy's night which is just I was Is like this the first in history. <laughs> well, he's going with his dad and his brother, so I don't know if it really counts. I don't that counts. <laughs> That's family <laughs> night. <laughs> I guess he's going to maybe with him. With oh, them. what are they going to see? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's like highly action oriented. Oh, yeah, very boys. Yeah. I don't know. The last one they saw was like a scary movie that I would have yeah, had so. no interest in seeing. Um, but he's like, You should like do a craft or like watch the Disney channel or I was like, What do you think you I do when I'm Frozen. alone? But Want I think it. I might watch I think I might watch yeah. Frozen. I think
1: that's well, how it's happening. You saying that sometimes kids are shits reminded me, so not last night, but the night before it was a day, it was an evening in this household. <laughs> um, so first of all, this all start. this is a long story, but I think it's funny enough to share. So it all started a couple weeks ago at gymnastics. At the end of gymnastics, the kids line up and they get like a sticker and then they also get to pick something out of a sack. And typically it's candy. It's like a little Halloween size candy of m ms or whatever, right? A sucker, random things. Well, a couple weeks ago, she walks back from picking her prize and it's a freaking bottle of nail polish. And I was like, where did this come from? Like, your friend has a bag of M&Ms. Why didn't you get M&Ms? What are we doing? She's like, it was in the sack. I wanted the nail polish. And I was like, well, were there more nail polishes? Because it's like a bright red nail polish. She's like, no, this was the only one. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that just accidentally got put in that bottle. Because it wasn't sealed. Like, it had been opened. It wasn't gross. But there was no plastic on it, right? And I'm like, okay, whatever. It's too late. We were already in the car. Well, so somehow I just got forgotten in my car. Well two nights ago, we're driving from somewhere. It's just me and her. And I smell in the car, nail polish. And I go, what's that smell? And I turn around and she's holding it. And she literally, so the lid is on and she goes, well, it's not this because I definitely haven't opened it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, give that to me. Cause you definitely have, I would not be able to smell that if you hadn't like cracked it open. So I set it up front with me. And so I said like, hey, you know, we need to make sure we take that inside. If nail polish spills in my car, like my seat will be ruined. This car will be ruined and I will be very frustrated. So we just need to make sure it gets in the house. She's like, okay, got it. So we get home. She, of course, remembers the nail polish. And she's like, let me just grab that. I'm going to take it. Well, our rule in our house is that she can have her nails painted. I don't care about that. I don't want to do it. I'm not taking on yet one more task for my child for this thing. And so she gets her nails painted by my stepmom a lot because she loves painting nails. But if she wants her nails painted here, Brian does it. And there's like their own little thing. It's super cute. And he's like this little like nail polish kit and they just like do nails, right? And then she'll convince him to paint his nails. And it's just like a cute little thing. Well, for some reason, she just forgot that that was just like how we do things. And she comes downstairs while I'm cooking dinner and she's like about to cry because she's upset. So she comes out, she's like, um, mama. So, um, I really wanted my nails painted. So I started painting them, but now I need it off because it's all over my skin. And she's like freaking out because it's all over her skin. And I was like, in the middle of cooking dinner. So I go, you need to go talk to daddy. Like, I cannot have this conversation right now. <laughs> so he goes over to her and dinner's like almost ready. So he's like, hey, no big deal. I'll take it. I'll get some nail polish. Take it or remove her, Take it off your hands and nails right after we eat dinner. Because mom is almost done with dinner, blah, blah, blah. Well, she just loses it because she wants it off her skin like immediately. Oh, yeah. So... We have that meltdown. We get to dinner. She still has it on. She's grumper McGrumperson, like, because she wanted it off. And I'm like, bro, like, we're just eating dinner. We'll take it off when we're done, whatever. So we're done with dinner. Brian's cleaning. I go find the nail polish remover. But I said, I'm not going to remove your nail polish because I have my nails done. And I don't want it to, like, mess up my nails. So it's a daddy thing. No big deal. Will I go get it out? Will I go upstairs to her bathroom to get cotton balls? No, 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 no. There is red nail polish on the stairs, on the landing, on the carpet, all over the sink. She had taken all of the cotton balls off in the sink and just tried to wipe it off of her fingernails into the sink. So it's like chipped, but like in the sink. So all these cotton balls are soaked, clogging the sink with red nail polish everywhere. On the hand towels, in the sink, on the carpet. And I'm like, <laughs> Like trying to stay calm. So I text Amanda and I was like, I'm reminding myself that like gentle parenting and being a kind, forgiving parent is worth more than fucking red nail polish everywhere. And she was like, Oh yeah, that's gonna be hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's really frustrating. And so I like took some deep breaths and went down. And so we have to, you know, I have a highly sensitive child, I am a highly sensitive person. So I'm trying to parent her in a way that I wish, not that I was parented poorly, but I wish some things had been said to me in a little bit different way. So I get down on her level and I was like, Hey, I just want to start with like, you're not in trouble and I'm not mad. And I think we can like come together to try to fix the problem, but here's where we're at. So she's got tears streaming down her face. I'm trying to explain like how damaging nail polish can be, like how we can get it clean, how she can help me clean it. That like, It's probably ruined this hand towel now, but I got it from Target pretty recently. So she could probably get some money from her piggy bank and go buy this hand towel. It's like $3. Like it's not going to break the bank. She's like, "Okay," she's like hyperventilating, crying because that's just how we are in my house. And so then I go upstairs to try to start cleaning the nail polish and she helps me scrub it out of the carpet. It's like 95% gone from the bathroom carpet. The hand towels ruined, but it was just like, Okay, so let me remind you of the rules of nail polish in this house. <laughs> I hated it. Oh, <laughs> Things um, that you don't think you have to say that, like no. every every scenario, no, you're like,
0: no. "Oh, I should have been." You know explained- what? <laughs> you just aren't going to know what to say in every situation because here's the thing that everyone forgets: children don't know and. They don't know. And they don't know anything. Like they, don't, uh, they know nothing. Like <laughs> they have to learn by making mistakes. They uh-huh. have to learn by being explained. And they also learn by observing. And like, I know, you know, you and I growing up, painting nails at home was like all we did. Yeah. But uh, you and I go to get our nails done like outside the home. So she didn't even have an example of like uh-uh. how you would do it at the house and that like you would only do it on a counter or like in the like on yeah. tile or like, yeah. you're not going to do it over carpet, literally ever. Like even I don't trust yeah, myself to do it day in the carpet.
1: bathroom, like on the counter, which was great. But then once it got on her skin, she freaked she out. She freaked out, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so then it just got everywhere because it wasn't dry, and it was a whole thing. And so I think now her little personality goes from one extreme to the other. And so Brian was like, "Great, I'll take all this off your skin and your nails." I would love to repaint them for you if you want. She was like, nope, I don't want it. I don't want it on my hands.
0: That, she probably won't get her nails done again until like prom or something. She's so <laughs> mad. <laughs> that nail polish offended her. <laughs> Betrayed oh, her trust.
1: Poor girl. That's- was like, oh God. Okay. Take some deep breaths. I'm like, when she's not looking, I look at Brian and make the face like, <laughs> <laughs> like, have a really freak out moment and then right. i would be so upset but it is wonderful. I just like at the end of the day you know and obviously this could be the wrong way of going back too. we're obviously gonna fuck up our kids in some way or another but like to me if i know it could cost me three dollars to replace this hand towel Then there's no reason to like yell and make a whole big thing and make you feel like trying to fix it. Like you washing it is more frustrating than the three dollars. It's not a cleaning hand towel. No big deal. And like I'm just not gonna get bent out of shape over a target hand towel. Yeah. You know? Well good for you. And but we definitely like we're firm at bed. It was just like, okay, it's bedtime now, please leave. (laughs) Like I'm done. (laughs) Take a minute. (laughs) We're done. We're done with this. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, that is my terribly long nail polish story. But do you have any client
0: updates for us you want to share? I don't even know where to start, truly. It's been so interesting lately. I will say one of the things I've really enjoyed watching is our exploration of client brands. Because it's so fun to dig into a company's history, a company's goals, where they're going, who they're speaking to all while trying to be mindful of how does someone want to be represented online and, and what's a good reflection of themselves, especially if they're a solo business owner. And we've been doing a lot of branding as a part of our bigger web packages. And for us, you know, I am totally in tune with the fact that at the end of the day, it's a rather small element when we're talking about all the brand messaging that's going to be presented online, all of the other imagery, all of the other ways you're put out there. But for our clients, for them, it's such a huge part of their identity. And so us being really mindful that we hit the nail on the head, even if we don't hit it the first time, like we want to hear what our clients have to say and their input and where they're going with it and really make it a true reflection of them. And it's been such a fun exercise and we're pulling from such incredible inspiration. Like we have one client right now, where we're pulling from the New York Times and some of the most iconic buildings in New York. And we're the pulling sky- colors from like the literal reflection of a window of a skyscraper in
1: New York City off of like a cloud. Like, it's just like this, like, inceptuous <laughs> design inspiration.
0: So yeah, like one uh-huh. of the colors we included was like subway green and, you know, the green of the handrails, like going down into the New York City subway. Like, I love that we get to be so specific and pull such incredible inspiration from the environments that our clients do business in. So all of that to say, if you're interested in hearing more about our branding process or how it's intertwined with our bigger web projects, I'd love to have a conversation with you. You're welcome to reach out and schedule a call with me. You just need to go to bossproject.com slash waitlist. Tell me what you're interested in, and then you'll immediately get sent a calendar opportunity to schedule a time and we can chat and hear more about what you're after and how you want to grow your business online.
1: Yay. Okay. Well, speaking of growing your business online, let's talk about a little bit bigger picture, the journey of a business, so to speak. We've had this conversation a couple of times and someone from our team actually reminded us of this conversation and how much y'all love it when we did a virtual conference. And so we wanted to bring it to your ears here and kind of walk you through the journey of business, the game of being in business and how from our perspective, because we also have a unique perspective because we get to kind of take a peek behind the curtain of like tens of thousands of small businesses and and so many incredible service-based businesses that we work with, that we see so many themes throughout businesses, no matter what stage they're at, that they're hitting these checkpoints throughout their journey, these milestones, and a lot of them end up cycling back through. And so I want to share these with you today. And I want you to really approach this journey in these phases. One, I want you to try to identify the one where you think you might be at and where kind of resonate where you might feel stuck. And then look at the next steps ahead to see What's coming up for you, and what foundations do you maybe need to put in place in order to get past where you are, if you want to? But then the really key thing that I want to sink in is that this journey literally never ends. There is no end game in mind when it comes to business, and I think as soon as we start to let that go, that we let go that there's going to be like a tape that we run through of the finish line, and we're going to get all the tokens and sounds are going to ding, and we're going to win. If we stop trying to achieve that feeling, then I think we can begin to enjoy the journey a little bit more and begin to appreciate where we're at, at various phases. So let's walk through the game of life when it comes to business.
0: Yeah. Just to add to that, before we jump in, I really want to say that it's so important to allow this new perspective to come in because I do think so many people are so focused on what life will be like when you get here, whatever that is, whether it's a certain income threshold, a number of employees, a number of years in business, whatever quote unquote like equates to success. And I think we approach this much like we approach life in general. And that because we prioritize life first, our goal is for you to be living. The kind of lifestyle you want as soon as possible. And I know and understand that sometimes the life you want does cost more money. And so there will be a phase and a transition, but it's not to say that we can't prioritize certain things along the way. And so that is literally why phase one is what it is. Phase one is clarity on priorities because it's so important when you're getting started that you have to decide that enough is enough and that you're worth prioritizing. And most people end up forced into this space. I'd much rather you choose to start this journey because you have a dream and it, it's not coming out of a traumatic experience
1: And that could be getting laid off, choosing to leave a toxic work environment, having something in your relationship status change that forces you to do something different, or having some sort of illness or accident, or even positive things like growing your family or moving across the country. But some of those things being the precipice to why you need to get really clear on those priorities, I encourage you to explore, you don't have to have a big event to be able to get clear on these priorities. And this stage is going to pop up for you as your your life changes and your goals change and your circumstances change. Which
0: is why you'll end up coming back here because your priorities will shift over time. So while you're going through this, you may decide that you want to change something about your life, about your business, about starting your business. You may want to tweak your offer, your marketing, or your support, or your systems, or maybe you're going to be tweaking all three, but there's some telltale signs that you're in phase one or step Mm -hmm. one.
1: Yep. So when you begin to understand what your zone of genius is or your expertise and that you want to show up more there, you want to spend more time there. Again, this can happen at the very beginning when you're kicking off your business and you're leaving a career where you want to step into a different role, or it could be when you've been in your business for years and realize, holy moly, I haven't actually gotten to spend a lot of time in what I consider my zone of genius. And I'm getting clear on those priorities in order to help me get there. You're finally ready to let go of the unnecessary tactics, typically around marketing, that others think you have to do or that you should do in order to grow, start, scale your business. And you're ready to actually grow in alignment, again, getting clear on how you want to show up and what works for you. You're also really ready to kind of stop looking at the competition and comparing yourself to other people, even in different industries or your family or people that you know. And really what we call focusing on your own paper, really being mindful of your own
0: goals and what it's going to take for you to actually reach those. Now, in phase two, a lot of people will mess this up. And That's actually a really important part of this process. Now, some of you may skip ahead because you've been here before, you've failed at this before, and so you have a better idea of how to be clear on this from the beginning. But it could be a small thing, it could be a big thing. But people tend to, as soon as they get clear on their priorities, they may know what they are, but they fail to set appropriate boundaries to keep them in alignment with those priorities. Yeah. Some of you are really good at identifying what they are, but really
1: shitty at holding them and maintaining them because there's an art of setting boundaries. And then when you're in the driver's seat of maintaining them to be really mindful of where you're placing the blame on when those boundaries get broken.
0: Yes. And one of the most common things I see when people are failing at them is they are passing the blame. They are assuming the issue is with others. And it's with a
1: client, it's with a coworker, it's with a partner, it's with your audience, it's with the recession, it's with whatever. And most circumstances,
0: yes. but <laughs> boundaries are yours. Yes. Boundaries are how you respond and how you are going to show up. And so everyone can act how they want to act. How you act is your set of boundaries. And so, you know, it could be as simple as I only want to respond. I'm going to have a really clear priority of, you know, if I'm at work, I'm at work. And if I'm at home, I'm at home. So I'm only going to respond to people during working hours. And then you get upset that someone emailed you at 7 p.m. on a Thursday. And it's not your place to judge when someone else communicates. Your way of that boundary is waiting to respond until you're at work tomorrow. And why
1: do you know that they emailed you at 7 p.m.?
0: Yeah, why are you checking? Why are you checking? that's on you.
1: I distinctly remember having a conversation with someone I'm really close to in business. And this was a big up for her. She would set the boundaries. She put it in her autoresponder. She put it in her email signature. She put it in her onboarding guide everywhere. And people were still emailing 7 PM, 10 PM, midnight on the weekends, whatever. And she was getting so frustrated because she was like, and oh, now I feel pressure to respond. I said, well, they didn't demand that you respond. This might be the only time in their schedule because of their boundaries, because of their priorities that they have to get this out or send this email or share this thing with you. Why are you checking it in your non-office hours? That is only your boundary to uphold. Don't make it mean anything.
0: Because it doesn't, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and often doesn't. They'll, they'll be like, aren't you out of office or right. aren't you right. on vacation? Like I only well, send this
1: yeah I remind one of our own team members to do this because i mean it'll probably give away who i'm talking about in this description but we have very clear office hours they end at 4 p.m central and so anything that needs to be said or communicated after that needs to be scheduled for 8 a.m the next day non-negotiable period done don't check your email at dinner time don't want to fire, don't feel like you need to go downstairs to the office and fire off an email to answer this client question. Yes, they might be responding at seven because that's when they had time to do it. But that doesn't mean we need to. And it's the releasing of that urgency and expectation of what you're assuming other people want from you.
0: Mm -hmm. There's some signs that you're here. Now, a, a lot of this may have already been ringing bells for you, but if not, I want you to know that most of the time you failing at boundaries has to do with the fact that you do care and you are a giver and you do want to be of service to other people, but you tend to bend over backwards. You're giving too much of yourself away to your clients, to their projects, to the timelines, the timing of all of those things. You may also Want other people to like show up for you, but you haven't developed the right leadership skills yet. And so you're letting people kind of run amok. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I see this with a lot of young, when I say young leaders, I don't necessarily mean anything about age. I just mean like new to management. They're trying to let their team, you know, run without their guidance, but they've given them no training or, or no structure or no accountability, no clear expectations. And then they're frustrated with the outcome when they never set them up for success in the first place. And a lot of that comes because you don't even trust yourself to lead yet. You don't even know what it looks like to properly delegate something. And that's okay. We're not asking you to know and understand all those things yet, but you being frustrated with your team because they're just off doing their own thing. That's a you problem. That's a you problem. Yep. That is
1: absolutely you problem. But the positive news is, is that the phase that comes after this really helps you get clear on how to not actually fail at your boundaries, not to say that it won't show up again, because as your business grows and the the needs of it change and your life circumstances changes, you might have to be constantly reevaluating those. You and I just had a great reevaluating of boundary conversations yesterday because of different support that you need in your life right now. And we had to really talk about what does that look like moving forward? And it could go back to where we were before, but we need to realign some boundaries and get clear on what's going to work for you and what's going to work for our team right now. So again, this is an ever evolving journey, but the thing that helped us have that conversation is because we are really, really in alignment with our values, which is this next phase, the third phase. So crossing boundaries, failing at boundaries show us sometimes with a bright red flashing (laughs) siren that there needs to be a value assigned to that broken boundary. There needs to be something structurally identified that help us really figure out if all of this gave me the ick, what is going to be the thing that helps me feel more in alignment with communication, with delegation, with office hours, with projects, with how I set up my schedule, whatever it might be, so that you can actually get to a place that feels more in alignment with how you want to grow because you figured out what those values are.
0: What I love about this phase is because you've sucked at the boundaries before <laughs> and you, you can set your value in accordance with your actual priorities. This is your way to get better at communicating these things for yourself, for your team. And this is when you begin to understand not just what you offer, but like how you're going to show up to get there. This is where that mission and vision start to come into action and have an alignment with what you're doing. Because how you do business is just as important as what you're offering. And you're finding it easier to say no to things. You're getting clear without this constant sense of FOMO that like, you could do it this other way, and all these other things could be true. But if that's completely out of alignment for you, then why are you worried about it? Slash, for the record, people can look all sorts of ways, and their life can be an utter disaster <laughs> on the back. So don't be assuming much about how other people are doing at all, truly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But once you're clear on these values and you can start showcasing them and verbalizing them and promoting them, not just in marketing channels, but in every aspect of the way you show up, you're going to attract better clients, more loyal team members, mentors who support and encourage you and understand your values from the beginning because you're going to ooze them out in every aspect of what you do.
1: Yeah. They will become non-negotiable for you. And that's a really exciting phase. So unfortunately, we go back down a little bit in the (laughs) bummerville and we head into phase four of this business journey where you're really, really tapped on time. And depending on the steps needed for you to put in place to get out of this phase, it could absolutely feel like you just took three steps forward to take five steps back. And those amount of steps could be different for all of us. It's not heading back into burnoutville. That's where you were before you even entered this journey, right? You could be knocking on burnout's door. I want to be really real with you that the longer you stay here, the closer to opening that door and stepping through it that you are going to actually be. You know that you've got something good on your hands, you've started to solidify your boundaries, you're clear on your priorities, you've outlined those values, and you've gotten to a point that's really incredible in your business. A lot of people like can't wait to actually get to this point, and then you wake up and you realize, where did my time go, and how does it feel like that I'm constantly putting out fires, trying to start this project or task over here, but not having enough time because the clients are demanding over here and not really understanding where your division of time as the founder needs to actually go.
0: Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is because you're so dedicated to what you're doing that you do get really centralized and focused around your clients. And so even if your capacity is quote unquote, okay, if you're not giving yourself the time to do all the other things that are required in your business and in your life, you're trying to fit those things into nooks and crannies, which then just makes you feel this like constant state of stress and anxiety, which you literally can't stand. You're going to go into fight, flight, or freeze and be in this potential like burnout. Like you're on the cusp, but you're not quite there. And you know, if something doesn't change, like I've seen a lot of people get to this phase and then be like, I'd rather quit than try to fix this. Yep. 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 I've seen that
1: far too many times.
0: And I don't want that to happen to you. Like, and it's like, I wish I could say how intense this can be, but if you can catch it before you get too knee deep into it, there are absolutely things you can be doing that are literally this very next stage that are literally right on the other side, but you have to give yourself the space to prioritize the next thing So that you can get out of here. Cause this is like, you can feel like you're stuck in the mud.
1: Well, and what you have to do, and truly, I think until you've wrapped your brain around this, you're not ready for the next phase until you're ready to acknowledge that the way that you're doing things right now, aren't truly sustainable, then you're not going to make a change. And so once you've realized that it's time to enter phase four, which is refining your services. So it's a phase five. Sorry. Yes. Thank you. So. You already know that you are at burnout store, that you want to get back into alignment with your values and how you're showing up. You know that something needs to change and you're ready to either press the burn it all down button, or I need support to figure out how to like fix this hot mess. And so ultimately what that could lead you to question and wanting to change and refine is Everything from your offer to the price point, to how it's delivered, to how much it costs, and what does the overall process look like in actually getting clients delivered and implemented into your service. So you might be looking at things like how much your service actually costs, how you deliver it to clients, how long it actually takes you or your team to go through and do those deliverables. And all of that stuff can ultimately be tweaked in order to help your capacity, which helps you with burnout, which helps you stay in your zone of genius, which helps you stay true to your boundaries and your values and everything.
0: Yeah, the cool part is at this point, because you're clear on what you want, you're clear on your values, you're clear on your boundaries, you've over scheduled yourself and you're ready to like recapture everything, you do know what lever to pull in order to get some of that time back. And you're excited about what it looks like to really make those changes. Now, the thing that can happen is even if all those things are true, this next stage can feel like quicksand or, you mm-hmm. know, sticky mud where you weren't expecting to step into this but you just like quickly, quickly started sinking, which is why step six is called a revenue rut. Because in this stage, you can feel like you're doing all the right things Mm -hmm. and yet have this constant feeling of, why am I not growing? Why does this feel so hard? I know I'm taking action and the results are just not matching all the effort I'm putting in. You feel like there should be some like, magical things happening and yet you're just constantly feeling stuck and like, what are you doing wrong? And you're questioning a lot about the choices you've made to this point.
1: Well, and I want to point out that there is no magical revenue milestone where you'll hit this phase literally. And it can happen at any point to anyone. It can be in the the very beginning of your phase or the, your business When you're trying to reach a specific financial milestone and you are theoretically doing everything right on paper, but you're still not seeing any momentum or results or the results that you want to. And what typically kind of goes on in your head at this stage, because you're frustrated is you kind of want to burn it all down and try something else. (laughs) And you go into, we just recently wrote a really great blog post about signs to know that you should start over or if you should pivot. And this, I think, is a crucial conversation that a lot of people are having right now because I think a lot of people are in the revenue rut. And it's really hard to, what's the saying, see the forest through the trees. When you're in a revenue rut, especially when you want to be making or need to be making more money. If you want to actually grow that revenue, you're convinced that you're going to need a new offer, a new audience, a new price point, a new service, a new industry all together. And it's really easy to convince yourself that starting over is the right move
0: at this point. And would you say nine times out of 10, it's not? (laughs) Nine times out of 10, it's not. But the thing I want to point out here is most of the time, I see people aren't even aware that they're attempting to start over. Like they think it's a pivot, but they're not realizing that offering it in that way is to a completely new audience or selling it would require a completely different sales model or sales system or that you're talking to someone in a different stage of life or business. And all of those things can ultimately mean that you're actually rebuilding. Yep. But you weren't aware you were rebuilding. And so people think, oh, this is going to be a tiny tweak. I'm just going to offer this other thing. It's going to fill this gap. I'm going to get it going. And it's like, oh, baby cakes. Like, I'd much rather take what has been your primary source of income to date? What has been the thing that has brought you the most success to now? And what about it do we need to tweak? to reduce the time it takes to do that offer, increase the revenue from that specific offer, like have more ROI there, or get more support to fulfill it, whether that be from a software, a tool, or a person. And I know it can be weird to be like, I'm in a revenue, why would I even think about hiring? Sometimes you just acknowledging that that's even an option will get you out of this phase. Yep. Well, and then acknowledging it allows you to
1: transition into the next phase. And for some of you, this will feel like you're taking a step backwards. And I will yell at you and tell you that it is not a step backwards. It is, however, a jet forward, not upward. So when you're in a revenue rut, you typically are like, the only thing that will make me feel better is if I start making more money. Well, the only thing that can actually help you make more money is fucking systems (laughs) and support and processes, whether that comes from a person or an automation or an actual experience and delivery mechanism, communication mechanism, whatever, right? This is like kind of what I was hollering about with our client the other day where I was like, yeah, that's all great and good that you're still focused on sales. But when you start getting shitty client experiences and feedback because you're not actually delivering well, when you're like waking up at three in the morning because your brain is constantly going through that checklist of did I send the client this? Did I do this? Did I schedule this? Oh, shit, I forgot to order this. It's because you don't have a system supporting you, period. And you haven't deemed that it's worth your time to do that. And that is a problem because at this point, you're faced with what you have grown now. The business that you have grown isn't just a hobby anymore, isn't just the thing where you get to sign into your computer and and work on some copy for some clients or some fun design work for clients. And then you get paid and then you land a new client and you rinse and repeat. That's not what you've built. Now you've built a business and part of building a business is needing to learn how to run the business. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it is part of it. It is a main thing. It sounds crazy to be like, Oh, I'm a business owner. I need to figure out how to run a business because you just assume that like, if you can perform a service that the business like comes along with it and it is not the same skills the same expertise, the same tools. Like you have to learn all these other things that usually have little to nothing to do with the talent that started your business in the first place. And that's why you're so resistant to it because it feels so outside the box from the thing you're delivering. So, unless you happen to be like a project manager, then all of a sudden business organization feels. And it still feels connected. But for a lot of you, if you're a creative, you're a copywriter, you're a designer, you're a florist, you're a wedding planner or whatever, all the business sides of things that you have to set up, they're s- completely separate thought processes. Yeah. And, well,
1: and, then and I would even jump- argue... Because we've worked with project managers on systems before, because while they, yeah, they're going to shine really well in the delivery or organizing the scope and deadlines and all of that stuff, the business side of managing leads and communicating with them and offboarding and the business side of automating some of your marketing or your communication to your clients. Like There are so many aspects that you might not realize are such a time suck for you that you could free up.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, the cool part is, if we can get this together, get this ish together, get some of the back end things feeling like, well, the machine, because a lot of times to the client, they may know no different to them. Very little, if anything has changed, right? It's just taking you less time and headspace, (laughs) right? If it's taking less time and headspace or it's better organized so you can find things quicker or you have a better process, or maybe you start offering the service to be a bit more the same from client to client. So you're not reinventing the wheel every single time, regardless of what that is, you're going to wake up one day and you're going to be in stage eight. And this is the stage that so many people think they wouldn't like. (sighs) <sighs> and yet, I see them all hanging out because uh-huh. it's like a lazy river that they can just chill and uh-huh. recharge and rest a little bit and catch their breath. And We've seen it like, phase eight for like eighteen months before. I love this. It's it was
1: so great. good.
0: <laughs> it's so good, and this is what we call plateauing on purpose. Yep, yep. So we're bringing the word plateau back
1: along with contentment and maintenance and ease and sustainability, because at this point, you finally have grown up enough and have assessed your values and your boundaries enough that you get to decide not only what growth looks like to you, what revenues goals need to happen for you, what financial goals need to happen, how much you need to pay yourself, whatever, whatever, but you also get to decide how you're going to actually get there and what it looks like for you to get there. Are you finding out that you don't actually want a huge team and maybe you just want, you know, one to two people part-time helping you reach your goals? Are you finding out that you really want to work like half days all week long because of the schedule that you want your life to actually be like? What does it really look like? And then what is it going to take to get there? And then we have those things in place and then it's just happening and it's existing. And you get to just kind of, this isn't the done stage because you still have to maintain this. There's still the art of filling your pipeline and selling and marketing and serving clients and offboarding and making sure that your offer is still right for who you're talking to. There's still all of that and managing a team or, or checking in on your support systems. But there becomes a sense of like ease when you intentionally
0: decide to not grow. Yeah because the cool part is when you're here, you've reached a financial milestone that enables you to support yourself and your business and your passions. And it's not always like lux money. Now, for some of you, you could be at a great stage and you just previously haven't appreciated how hard you've worked and you haven't previously You know, acknowledged all the things you've done. But for a lot of you, it's like you were so close the whole time. And then when you get to the point where your world is covered, like your security systems are met, and your adrenal glands can chill out for a second, it feels like a giant sigh of relief. I don't have any other way to describe it other than like, (sighs) Mm -hmm. like that's how your whole Mm -hmm. business feels. Your whole business starts to feel that way. Well,
1: and the cool thing for this stage is that I think sometimes people think, you know, there's a lot of conversation about going to four day work weeks or, you know, only working Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or only working half days or whatever, like cutting back our schedule. And a big part of that conversation, in my opinion, is like when we make the decision to do that, that it has to be that way forever. And I like, I just want to introduce the thought that you can pick a season of working three days or four days. And then the very next season have a different energy shift and a different goal or a different headspace and then decide to go back to five days or then go back to three and then go up to four. And then like the commitment that you have to be married to one schedule forever and always and have to make your business work for that schedule forever and always like I have never understood that because intentionally deciding to plateau is such a gracious gift that you can give yourself in various seasons of your life, knowing that growth is always available to you.
0: It is growth is available and you can choose it. Not choosing it is just as powerful. And and sometimes I think makes you feel More like a badass. (laughs) 100%. So
1: what happens when you are ready to grow, when you want to have a season of growth? We're going to enter then, if you so choose, the next phase of building your team. This is phase nine. So we're almost done here on our journey of business. So we often see that after a time of rest in a plateau, and we saw this for ourselves, we've seen this for countless clients and peers, that business owners might be ready for growth again you got the rest you needed, you got re-inspired, you got a new creative energy. But if the desire for impacting in different areas is appealing, then the next thing that you need to do is build your team. So when I say by desire to impact in other areas, I mean Finally, stepping into a leadership role, a mentorship role, a manager role, bringing on people within your culture and your team to show them how cool it is to get to impact clients in the way that you do. To show up for your mission and your vision, just like you do, and getting to spread that impact around. If you're itching for those feelings, you might be ready to enter into this phase.
0: Now, I want to put like an asterisk here and say, you know, if we're in a growing economy, I would potentially go from plateau to immediately hiring and hire in advance of the growth and put my people in place and take that risk and ride the wave up. Okay. But when we're in a bit more of an economic crunch or things feel a bit more strapped, you may choose to hire after you've identified the clients or got the income coming in. However, I will say, if you know you're like financially, you don't feel like you can take the risk of hiring until you have the clients. The mistake I see people making is that they stay in this financial rut until they've identified what they need and the support they're going after and potentially even identified the person they're going to hire, you need to feel supported because if there's any sort of lack of support there, I see people not landing. like they might have the right conversation. Well, and um, talk to him about our mastermind client who was kind yeah. of stuck there. <laughs> yeah, and so she wasn't ready to hire. She was at capacity and she knew she couldn't take on more clients unless she had more help and i was like okay let's go into an interim phase like i want you to just identify contractors that you could like immediately flip the switch on that are very hyper specialized like they're only going to take over photos or they're only going to take over copywriting or they're only going to take over a design aspect or something but they're trained you're not necessarily managing them, you're giving them clear deliverables that they're responsible for, and they're doing the thing. And using contractors as a bridge can be a really great option in this economic crunch. And she within four days had identified contractors and within the next 30 days, landed six new clients. And I am 100% positive that she would have not a, attracted those people, but B, been able to ethically close the deal. Yeah. Because yeah. she would have felt like she couldn't follow through on it. Because she couldn't have. <laughs> and so oftentimes we will put up walls where we won't even want to have the right conversations or put ourselves in the right rooms or have, you know, move in that direction unless we know in our heart that, like, we're going to be good. And we're going to be able to fulfill on what we think we can because you're an ethical person. And why? Because you established your values and your boundaries and you know,
1: you don't want to, you don't want to
0: go back to the time where your your time is sucked up and you're sacrificing sleep. You don't want to go back there and you know, you don't want to go back there. And so it's powerful to just identify who these people are, but the cool part is they can support you and they can be a huge lever for you and they can be skilled in ways that you are not. People often think, okay, I just need to hire a me 2.0 and like things will be off to the racist. Do not do that. Red
1: flag, red flag, red flag.
0: <laughs> We've done a whole episode about why hiring you 2.0 is a really bad idea. You need to bring people into the business that have different skills than you. And For sure, if your goal is revenue growth, you need to bring people into the business that have more client capacity than you do. It's not about just taking things off your plate. It's about expansion in a new way and drive revenue.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk about the final phase, which is one that I feel like As soon as you start to expand your team, this is the phase that kind of never ends the learning cycle. And I think you can simultaneously be learning this phase while accidentally, and sometimes just how this journey works of going back into the other phases, right? So, this last one is task to outcome driven. And it's really interesting as a founder, as a manager, as a leader, that how crucial this skill is in order to not only create an ethical work culture, but to also see the results that you want from the team that you're investing in. So it's a skill that we don't all have and we have to learn it and we have to learn how to show up in this skill in a way that's in alignment for our natural leadership skills. So it's really important to understand your own strengths, your own leadership style of what you're bringing to the table right now so that you can make adjustments as needed. So what we're talking about between task versus outcome and which one to delegate, it's the skill set where you're understanding how to bring your team into kind of like the inner circle, the inner workings of your business. Now, this is different on how we treat contractors versus employees. And we've had a whole discussion about that on our podcast and our blog, but it's about how we're communicating with those folks, how we're communicating expectations, delegating, What does done look like to you? What does this process need to look like in order for it to fulfill on the scope that we've promised the projects that we're delivering everything, but it's shifting in the sense of trying to shift ownership where you're not the only one thinking about all
0: of these things. Giving away autonomy is one of the things I would have never expected that I would enjoy. (laughs) Cause I like to be a bit of a control freak. And Mm -hmm. I had the tendency to micromanage when I got into this leadership role and had people below me and letting go is hard and it's beautiful. Necessary. Yeah, It is going to drive things in ways you never thought possible before. you know, this week being a good example of feeling like, okay, I know what's coming. I know what I have to do. And then my whole life getting turned upside down to truly be able to say guys, peace, like with like very little, there was no like debrief and like, here's what I need you to handle, you
1: know? Well, and I even had to push you to take more off your plate yesterday and and point out an opportunity of where you could delegate something. And within 20 minutes, you delegated it perfectly. And by the end of the day... I got what I needed from our designer so I could move forward next week on client projects. I'm like, hey, we have a team
0: of support here. (laughs) Let them support us. Right. And otherwise, in the past, it would have been the bottleneck. And I still can be at times. But when you start to move to this outcome driven place, you can have checks and balances where even your team will show up for you and be like, let me take that off your plate. I can do that. Like, I'm here to help. And What a powerful place to be that you have team members that are in a clear department. They have a clear role. They know the expectations of themselves. And because you've built an ethical work environment, because you have clear values, because you have clear boundaries, because you've built a business that is life first and they are not sacrificing themselves to show up for you, the loyalty you can build the way these people will show up for you in ways you never would have expected because they genuinely care about the success of the company, it will blow your mind. And you will be able to move into a season where you move away from driving revenue for the sake of more money. And you'll start thinking about, is this project going to highlight the skills of our team is this going to serve them best do i think they're going to get along do i think they're going to enjoy this process or this project and it'll become way less about you and instead you'll see opportunities to help your team members grow to practice new skills to develop their own leadership and it's so cool now all of this to say you may get to this point And you still, because you are entrepreneurial, because you always have a desire for more, you may go back to the very beginning. And I know that sounds odd. Like, why would I go all the way back to getting clear on my priorities and then fail at boundaries and then get stuck Mm -hmm. in revenue and all these things? It's because you're going after new things. Yeah. And so you have to see this growth in yourself at every new phase. You are yeah. a new version of your business owner self at every phase. And it's not to say that certain things won't go faster, faster the second right? or third or fourth round. And in some ways, you'll actually start to anticipate, oh, nope, this, is, this what's is what's happening. What's happening. This yep. is what's happening. Okay, here's what I need to do next. Yeah. But it's cyclical. This is not a treadmill. You can just get off. No, no. And what I want you all to remember is what we kind of talked about
1: at the beginning is that growing a business is a learning process. It is a journey. As soon as we let go of our addiction to urgency, our addiction to perfectionism, our addiction to needing to check a box that says done, we will begin to... Be more open to the opportunities of what this journey could look like over time. It doesn't have to be perfect today or tomorrow or next year. It's going to look exactly how it needs to look for you when you are at different phases. You cannot expect yourself to bring the skills to the table of someone who's perfectly delegating and at phase 10, if you haven't gone through and and identified your values and really stuck to your boundaries and understood your service and your scope and making sure you're not over capacity, there are going to be phases that are absolutely impossible for you to unlock if you have not solidified ones prior, even if you need to go back through some of those again, right? Right. So I want you to give yourself a little bit of grace in this journey. And I know everyone, you know, the saying is like, it's not the destination. It's about enjoying the journey. Honestly, it is like, that's what this is about. And the second I let go of, I can still be a successful business owner who loves her job, even if I haven't reached that milestone yet, because everything I'm doing today is laying the groundwork for me to get there. And this is part of learning and doing and having fun And not burning myself out intentionally for the sake of reaching a goal.
0: And every unsuccessful idea or attempt or process you tried or things you attempted to sell or whatever, they're not failures. They're experiments. And sliding backwards is a natural part of this process. It's a natural part of this journey. And it's okay to do things that are out of alignment and you catch yourself and you learn and you do better. Or maybe you do something that you're like ethically next time I wouldn't do that. It's okay. You're learning, you're growing. And you can acknowledge where you've fallen short and do better, not just for yourself, but for your clients, for your team, for your family members, building a life first business means that your path and your values and your choices Might look different than those around you, but they're yours. And this path is going to make you stronger. It's going to make your business more sustainable. It's going to be empowering. And you're going to actually be able to live a life. We're not trying to remove all the hard stuff, we're trying to give you the flexibility and the sustainability that when you go into a hard season, regardless of why, that you have a business that's going to hold up and stand the test of time and stand the test of challenges. And when life throws you curveballs. And I I wish I could say for Emily and I that it's been easy or that we have it all figured out. We don't have it all figured out. But I do know that we have the business and the team and the support that regardless of what life throws at us, we're going to be okay. And to have a business that is so supportive that you can walk away for a season to get your shit together and come back to it, it is a gift that I can't even begin to describe. It's truly the gift that keeps on giving. It does. <laughs> it does. And I'm excited for you. And so I hope you take this and think about it and re-listen to it and oh and God. really identify. Where are you at? Is this your first go round? Is this your third go round? And what do you need to work on next? And if you need help working it out and figuring out what phase you're in, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us anytime at Boss Project on Instagram. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the Co op, our creative template shop membership, with thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the -the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to BossProject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details really love this show, it would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.